Are you ready to launch? Yes. Let's go. Welcome to Lawyers Who Launch, the podcast hosted by two law school besties who practice law and are now ready to inspire and empower you to take positive steps in your professional and personal life to find joy and fulfillment. Hi, Haley here. This week, we have an exciting episode for you, our very first interview. The person you're about to meet has a BA from Bucknell, cum laude, as well as a JD from Seton Hall University School of Law, magna cum laude, and Order of the Quaff. Before founding JMT Speaks, she was a partner at a law firm practicing commercial litigation. With JMT Speaks, she utilizes her relatable approach to public speaking to inspire other professionals. Today on the podcast, I'm welcoming lawyer, entrepreneur, speaker, writer, storyteller, wife, mother, and bar method enthusiast, Jennifer Thibodeau. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Haley. I'm such a big fan of the podcast, so it's super exciting to be with you this evening. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited and thrilled to have you as our first guest on Lawyers Who Launch. I'm really excited, as I said, to be here and to be your first guest. And thank you and Amy so much for all of your support and just encouragement for all that I'm putting out there in the world. Very much appreciate it. So now let's talk a little bit about how we first met, because it definitely relates to a lot of things that you and I both talk about on our platforms, which is networking in unusual places. Now, we did not meet because we both went to Seton Hall Law. We did not meet in practice. We met at a bar class a few years ago. Yes. And if I remember correctly, we had been taking classes together for quite some time before either one of us realized that the other was a lawyer and that we went to the same law school. I think it was a common friend who might have mentioned it to me and I saw you changing into work clothes or something. And I just asked you, hey, did I hear you're a lawyer? And we were certainly friendly before that. So it's one of those very um, practical learning lessons on networking for sure. Absolutely. Let's start talking about your journey to JMT Speaks. So you had a pretty serious career with a law firm in commercial litigation. So tell us a little bit about that. I did. Yes. I was a practicing attorney at an AmLaw 200 firm for 11 years before I decided to change gears and do something totally different with my practice. And this interview comes at really such an interesting time because this week marks four years since I've left private practice. And it certainly seems like the blink of an eye. Since leaving private practice, I really was interested in having my own platform to do writing and speaking in my own voice. So although I knew at some point I wanted to LLC myself and have a website and have this business, if you would have asked me even five years ago what I'd be doing in the summer of 2021, I never would have said, oh, I'll be an entrepreneur. 
I'm going to be a professional speaker and writer or have this completely different day job as a senior legal editor at a global legal publisher. I would have said you're nuts. I would have said you have me confused with somebody else. I'm, I'm going to be right here where I am. And that was at my law firm. Because even though at that time, five years ago, I was definitely nagged with self-doubt about what I was doing as a lawyer and with my career, I don't think at that time I ever would have thought I had the guts to leave and do something different. Maybe go in-house and uh, work with a client or something like that, but never do something entirely different. So the journey was somewhat unplanned and unexpected until it really became an idea that I planned and, and prepared for. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt any regret for not following that path you were on? It's a great question. And I can confidently say, no, I have not felt regret. However, that was a very big factor, that unknown in deciding whether I wanted to leave private practice. So take a step back. I had wanted to be a partner at a law firm for the better part of 20 years. And I know that sounds dramatic or exaggerated, but it's really not because I decided I wanted to be a lawyer when I was in high school. I loved to read. I loved to write. And I was a member of the mock trial team. I really loved John Grisham novels, which were all the rage in the 90s. And I'm dating myself here a bit. So I kind of had that peaked interest in being a lawyer. And although I didn't fancy myself as a plaintiff's mass tort lawyer in the Deep South, there was something about being a lawyer in those books that I just said, I'm so intrigued. At the same time, I had this column in my high school newspaper called On Marino's Mind. And it was a highlights piece where I got to write about whatever I wanted. So I loved to write. And then I was introduced to the law when I tried out for our mock trial team and was cast as the role of an attorney. And as a really shy, gawky teenage girl, I came alive in that role. And I felt this like fire in the pit of my belly that I had never felt before. And I said, I'm going to put all of this together, my writing, my fire I feel right now, and this little piqued interest I have, not only in being an attorney, but just in kind of how the law works from reading these books. And I said, I'm going to go to law school. And it was that path I had for 20 years. And I, on the prize of first being an associate and doing well, and then achieving junior partnership. So I had invested a lot. By the time I was just 34 years old, I was a junior partner at my firm, one of few female partners in my practice group. And I really struggled with that decision. Are you going to regret leaving this all behind? But at the end of the day, I worried that I would regret it more if I let the opportunity to do something different pass me by. And I stayed at the firm. So I haven't felt that regret, but it was definitely a big part of that decision-making process. Sounds like more of the anticipation of the fear of the regret and then once you did it, no looking back. For sure. That's a great way to put it. How long were you kind of thinking about this big shift? I became unhappy with my position really not long after I achieved partnership. And I think that's because 
as the dust settled on the promotion and I settled into my position, I started thinking, huh, okay, so this is it. As I alluded to, I'd been so laser focused on achieving this dream and working so hard, I never really stopped to think about, is this really what I want? Is this a fit for me? Is this how I want to use my strengths and my interests of reading and writing and just really love of the law that had grown since I had been in high school and went to law school and actually litigated cases? So it nagged at me for a while, but I never really thought that I would do anything about it until this opportunity just kind of came out of nowhere to totally shift gears and do something in legal publishing. It was a position I never even really knew existed, to tell you the truth. Was there one thing that really helped you move your path? Was it a combination of things? I wish I could say that there was one thing in particular that I could put my finger on. I think it was after interviewing for the job that I now have and starting to realize, okay, there are other things I can do with my skill set that really started a feeling of excitement for me. Because at the same time, to be quite frank, I had just returned to work after maternity leave with my first child, my only child, actually. And I knew that I had been unhappy for so long, but I was becoming increasingly aware of how unhappy I had been when I came home from work before I became a mom and after. I I didn't like how I couldn't leave work at work, both literally and metaphorically, because I used to work in the evenings, but it was very emotionally taxing on me to litigate and just to work so much. And I thought, you know, I really can't be this unhappy. I really have to do something about it now that I'm a mom because I don't want to impress that upon my son in any way. When I interviewed for the job that I eventually have now, I started getting really excited and thinking, you know, I really want to get this offer. I really want this job. I I think this would make me much happier being a lawyer in a totally different way. And I started thinking about, you know, just because I'm good at being a lawyer at a law firm doesn't mean that I have to do it. And it was also the realization that it's okay not to want it anymore. It is okay to let it go. I'm not sure that I connected those dots as I'm articulating them right now because, of course, hindsight is 2020. but I definitely had those feelings at that time. So it was kind of all of those factors that contributed to my decision to actually give notice and, you know, make this move. So I want to go back to something that you said because not only does it speak to me, but it definitely is going to speak to a lot of people. And that is just because you're good at it doesn't mean you have to keep doing it. Yes. So let me take a step back and say it's actually really difficult for me to even say that because I feel like it doesn't sound very humble. It doesn't sound like I'm, you know, bragging about how I was as an attorney in private practice. But look, I objectively was good at what I did. I was a partner at the firm. I, had some of the best cases that I worked on. I worked with fantastic lawyers and we got great results. So 
I'm proud of those achievements and I have to own them, right? No imposter syndrome feelings here. But just because you are trained to do something well, just because you are a great lawyer at a law firm doesn't mean it's a fit for you and your life and what you want of your life. And therefore, doesn't mean that you have to get up and do it every day. Because for me, it hit me square in the face, like a punch to the nose that why is it that now that I'm a junior partner, I don't want to be an equity partner. I don't want my boss's job, which is supposed to be that litmus test for yourself, right? You should be trying to pursue the position above you. And I thought, I really don't think I want to be doing this when I'm in my 60s. I can't imagine I'm going to be doing this for the next several decades of my life. I don't want to do this anymore, even though I can. And you know, what else is really interesting about that idea is we all have different seasons of our life, right? So at a point, your career as a litigator fit your season of life. You were good at it. I'm sure that there was a period of time that you enjoyed it. You were doing it for so long, but then life changes. You have a son, you know, some people have different things and all of a sudden that season of life changes and the thing that you worked really hard at isn't really a fit anymore. It's got to be terrifying to pivot from that thing that you worked so hard for, for so long. I mean, petrifying is probably the word that I would use. It certainly was partially because I think I'm in good company with you and your listeners when I say, I'm type A, I'm a planner, I'm an overachiever, I'm that stereotypical lawyer type. And this was my plan, right? Everything that I had prepared for for so long, you know, I'm a list maker. I plan everything. Now I was just going to, you know, take this turn, was going to ditch the plan. But I have an essay that I wrote. It's about how I ditched the plan and I eventually found myself again. By way of example, I mentioned I had that newsletter, or I'm sorry, the highlights column in my high school newsletter. It really wasn't until earlier this year that I connected the dots and realized my On Marino's Mind was the earliest iteration of my JMT Speaks blog. That is who I am. Wow. Yes. That's amazing. Right? And it was ditching that plan and just gritting my teeth, no matter how petrified, how much trepidation I had at taking what I perceived to be a risk and doing it. But at the end of the day, I realized it wasn't so much taking a risk, it was seizing an opportunity. I had to think about the opposite side of the coin in that way. Let's talk about JMT Speaks now. So tell us the mission of JMT Speaks. Sure. So JMT Speaks is really a platform built upon authenticity because I am so passionate about helping others identify and embrace their authentic selves. Because when I did that, when I pivoted in my career, I started living my best professional life and in turn, my best and in turn, my best personal life as well. They are so interrelated. So I rely on my experience. I call myself a storyteller, as you said, because my platform is all about sharing what I've done, what I've learned, what I've seen, and what I'm still working at with others who might find themselves in the same, themselves in the same position. 
Some of the topics that I really love speaking and writing about are authenticity, communication, productivity, and overcoming the imposter syndrome, which I've already mentioned so far. This platform means so much to me because I have the opportunity to connect with different audiences in different ways. It's lawyers, but also non-lawyers. It's people regardless of their gender identity. I've given my authenticity talk, for example, to so many different audiences, and it always seems to resonate because everyone is interested in keeping it real. And I always learn something from the audience when I do it. So whatever talk I give, there's always a thread of authenticity in it because that is what inspired me to create this business. Before we get to authenticity, because I'm going to circle back and, and pick your brain on that a little bit. First, tell people how you deliver this message of JMT Speaks and how they can get some of it. Sure. Thank you for asking. So I have a website, www.jmtspeaks.com. I maintain a blog on that website. I also have a weekly newsletter for my JMT Speaks insiders. So anyone who signs up to stay connected with me will get my newsletter. And they will also get my tips on how to write better emails to sound more confident in communications. They can also follow me on LinkedIn and they can follow me on Instagram at JMT Speaks as well. Go and sign up right now. I am a newsletter follower. I guess that's the right word. I get it every week. I look forward to it. I read it. And what's really nice about your newsletter, and I told you this before the podcast, I'm telling you now, and it's absolutely true, is feels like you. It sounds like your voice. And it's just really interesting and dynamic. Every single newsletter, there's a different topic. There's a different theme. You're learning a little bit more. And you also have fun, different things. For example, I started buying Magic Spoon cereal because you mentioned it on your newsletter. And it was a huge hit with the family. Quite frankly, I was a little bit surprised but we tried it and it was awesome. Cereal, how how random is that? Thank you so much. I know the listeners can't see me, but I'm kind of going, yes, with my arms because I'm so glad that you tried a Magic Spoon cereal. Thank you so much, Haley, for those kind words and for being a subscriber and a supporter. I am so thankful that you look forward to it and for that feedback. Yes, I do try and include a fun block now and then, and I'm not getting paid by Magic Spoon Cereal, I have to add, but I I tried it. I think it's great, and I wanted to share it with my subscribers. I also talk about uh, books that I read since I'm an avid reader, put inspirational quotes in there people that I follow that I'm interested in, articles I read. I just try and change it up. As I said, the original On Marino's Mind has now turned itself into a block in my newsletter. Going back a little bit to what you said about authenticity, can you give our listeners just a little a little taste of some of your thoughts on authenticity? Because I think it's one of the things that people crave so much in this internet, Zoom world right now is that connection and that authenticity. Sure. So I want to 
start by really defining what it means to be authentic, because I do think that people are craving this for many reasons right now. It's a buzzword. We're hearing authentic everywhere, but we don't really stop to think about what it means. So I use authenticity to mean being real, being honest, true, original, and for those reasons, trustworthy. It's about knowing who you are, what makes you tick, and identifying your moral compass to be guided by. It's the opposite of being a fraud, a fake, or as I say, putting on that literal or uh, metaphorical mask, right? It's taking it off. Who are you at your core? Authenticity is important because once you know yourself, you figure out who you are, but also you figure out who you aren't. So to me, one of the big things that is really critical about finding your authentic self is the ability to let go of what other people think of you or what you perceive other people are thinking of you. Because in my experience, that is what has held me back from being myself. When I was making that decision to leave private practice, I was so worried about what the proverbial they would say. Would they say, she's crazy. She's leaving this all behind. She's going to regret it. Would they think I was a new mom and making a hormonal decision? Would they think that I couldn't hack it anymore and that I just got burnt out? And I was so worried about that that I realized I have to worry about myself, not to mention we're all a little bit narcissistic. We're worried that everyone is thinking about us and talking about us, but do you know what they're all thinking about and talking about? Themselves. So we need to just focus on ourselves, to like ourselves in order to be our real selves. It is so freeing and it is like a burden is lifted off of you when you actually connect the dots back to yourself. Authenticity is also integral because valuing vulnerability really takes you far. And I know that lawyers in particular don't like the word vulnerable because it makes us sound weak or like we're subject to attack or some sort of shrinking violet when that's not the case. It's about allowing yourself to be human. It's about putting yourself out there just enough this way people can actually connect with you. We are typically the lawyer types, as I said, who are perfectionists and don't want to reveal if we have a little crack in our armor. But it's okay to show that. It is okay to be real. So those are some of the themes that I talk about when it comes to identifying and embracing your authentic self. I really loved so much what you said about how authenticity is really about knowing yourself and that a way to that is knowing who you are not, because it can be very challenging trying to figure out who you are, but maybe an easier path to that is figuring out who you aren't. Absolutely. For example, you're somebody who went to law school because you have strong opinions and your family knows those opinions. Your friends know your opinions. You're not afraid to speak up, but you found yourself in private practice buttoning your lip. You're not speaking up as much in meetings. You're sitting on your hands a little bit. You're really only contributing when someone directly asks you to. That's actually being inauthentic to your personality and who you are. And once you think about, you know, I am somebody who has opinions. 
I'm a communicator. I want to share those opinions. The next time you're in a meeting and somebody says something about, let's say, another attorney who's not in the room and you don't like the intonation that's given about this person, you speak up because you know inside your communicator and integrity matters to you because you've identified your moral compass. You know who you are. So you won't compromise yourself anymore. That is really being authentic. I love that. Thank you for that example. So as we are kind of winding up a little bit, first, I'll give you a heads up that we're getting to that Say It Out Loud segment. Before we get there, remind everyone how to find you. Thank you again, Haley. My website is www.jmtspeaks.com. Please follow me on LinkedIn or on Instagram at jmtspeaks. And when you visit my website, I'd love to welcome you into my insider community when you sign up to stay connected with me. So now we have reached the Say It Out Loud segment. This is where we say the things out loud that need to be said. So I will go first so that way we can leave our audience on Jennifer's beautiful words. So I'm going to start by saying that I have to admit that I was totally intimidated by the thought of doing my first interview. Imposter syndrome was so strong for me this week. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for being here and trusting me with this interview. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've had a great time. I hope that you quieted that imposter voice in your head because I think this went great. I've had a lot of fun. So now it's time for you to say it out loud. I've been thinking about this and what I'd like to say out loud today is a little bit different in terms of the theme and what we've been talking about. I'm going to say that I need to show myself more compassion. When you introduced me, you kind of rattled off the list of all the different hats I wear. I'm a mom, a wife, a lawyer, I have a full-time job, and I am an entrepreneur. I tend to get very hard on myself while trying to juggle all of those different responsibilities. And it's been nagging at me more so recently. So I need to cut myself some slack and show myself some compassion. And I need to say that out loud tonight. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much again. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast. Give us a follow at Lawyers Who Launch on Instagram. And check out our website, LawyersWhoLaunch.com, for more on our blog. Have a great day.